0: Hello, my name is Hyun Sung Kong welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. It's not inconceivable that you may be hunting for a job, and if you're not looking for work, then you'll certainly know someone who is. According to the International Monetary Fund, globally over 200 million people are without work. That's nearly 16 million more than before the start of the financial crisis. So what do you need to do to optimise your chances of finding a job? Susan Lund, Director of Research at McKinsey Global Institute, has a few ideas, but more of that later. Susan Lund's been studying global employment trends. She says employment patterns have shifted dramatically in recent years.
1: We see the world labour market at something of a turning point. When you look over the last 30 years, what we had was the emergence of an increasingly integrated global labor market. Around the world, there were 1.1 billion new jobs, non-farm jobs, that were created. And almost 900 million of these were in emerging market economies. Some of the jobs created in emerging economies were related to exports. But much more important in these economies were service jobs and producing for local consumption. And so we've seen a dramatic shift out of agriculture into services and manufacturing. Over that same period, in advanced economies, we've seen dramatic shifts in where employment is in the economy and in the skills that needed to do jobs. So we've seen a shift out of manufacturing into service sectors. Overall, advanced economies are losing manufacturing jobs. And this is due mainly to technology, much more technology than global trade. At the same time, they're creating jobs, both in the low-skill end of the service sectors, so food service and other in-person service delivery. But even more so, jobs are being created in knowledge-intensive, very high-skill services. So education and healthcare, engineering, professional services. And that's where the big job growth is coming.
0: So those are the sorts of shifts, that the very dramatic shifts that we've seen in the creation of jobs away from manufacturing, especially in advanced economies, into knowledge-intensive service sector. What about the trends going forward? When we look
1: forward, we think that the same uh, technological changes are going to play out in more and more countries. So already in advanced economies, you see a lot of demand for people with college degrees, particularly science, engineering, and math degrees. Now, this upskilling of the of the workforce as we call it is happening in emerging markets as well. In China you see it fairly dramatically. As China develops more of its professional services, financial industries, engineering R&D, high-tech manufacturing, it increasingly is requiring a more skilled labor force. So over the next 20 years we think that this same upskilling of the population and the need to have an ever more educated workforce is going to play out
0: in countries like China as well. We're going to go more into education a little bit later on, but I'd like to just concentrate a little bit further on those regional differences. What do you see as the employment and unemployment trend for an area like sub-Saharan Africa? In sub-Saharan Africa, the big challenge is
1: to create wage-paying stable employment. Across the continent, the average unemployment rate is only 9%, which is not very high. But this is because most countries lack social safety nets. So working age adults need to do something to survive. So they engage in subsistence agriculture or other informal
0: forms of self-employment to scrape by. So are you basically saying that the unemployment rate in, in sub-saharan africa is unrealistic it, it's not really reflective of the of the reality
1: well it's certainly not reflective of the welfare of the population 63% of africans are engaged in what we call vulnerable forms of employ, employment and this would be self-employed subsistence like activities whether they're in an urban area or in an agricultural area only 20% 28% of working age africans have a wage wage. Wage paying stable job. Now, the share of the workforce employed in wage employment is increasing. uh, Over the last decade, Um, African countries created 37 million new wage-paying jobs, but at the same time, the working age population grew by 91 million. So a larger number of people ended up in vulnerable employment. And the challenge there will be to really accelerate the creation of wage-paying jobs in manufacturing, in agriculture, as well as in service sectors.
0: As one delves further and further into the whole issue of global employment and unemployment, it seems that education is key. Is it the case that unemployment is really about? inappropriate education?
1: Unemployment is often due to cyclical downturns, and that's what you saw in the last few years in the United States and in Europe. But when you look at the structural rate of of unemployment, that's the long-term persistent pool of unemployed, certainly mismatches between what employers are looking for in terms of skills and credentials and what job seekers have is playing an increasing part. It's true all around the world. Economists debate how much of unemployment can be attributed to the skills mismatch. But what's very clear is that there's a growing mismatch and that the skill needs of employers has increased much faster than countries' ability to increase the supply of workers. And the mismatch is particularly acute for very specific technical skills. So there are shortages in advanced economies of, of welders, electricians, nurses, uh, occupations that may only require a two-year associate degree or vocational training, yet it is very specific skills and you need to have those skills to fill a job. And increasingly, even in, in emerging markets, so in South Africa, there are uh, over 100,000 manufacturing positions unfilled because they require skilled technicians and machinists uh, to do the work, and there are simply not enough applicants with the right credentials.
0: Well, then what about the educational shortcomings in less developed countries? Is, is it less a case of skills mismatch there and more a case of just lack of capacity and skills? It, certainly, it's
1: true that that um, in many of the emerging markets in Africa, in countries like India and other parts of South Asia, there's a dramatic need just to increase primary school. Uh, completion and secondary completion. In India, we estimate that over the next two decades, the country will need to almost double the rate of growth in the number of seats in secondary schools and the number of teachers employed. So that will require substantial large increases in educational investments. And there, the question becomes,
0: who is going to fund this? Let's take a hypothetical. Actually, this doesn't need to be a hypothetical because it's very much the reality now. There are young men and women all over the world seeking work. Depending on where they live, what would you advise that they do to optimize their chances of finding gainful employment?
1: Well, certainly I would tell you to go get education. The returns to additional educational degrees are just very high.
0: But that doesn't make sense to me because there are plenty of liberal arts graduates who are finding it incredibly difficult to find a job in developed countries.
1: Well, you're you you um, you're right that what you study matters. But my first piece of advice would be to go get more schooling and then... And then study a technical field. Study math or engineering or science. The world increasingly needs people with these quantitative skills. So getting a degree in a quantitative field or science or engineering is absolutely
0: where the demand is going to be. I'm sure that recommendation holds true whatever part of the world you're in, but what if you are in the middle of sub-Saharan Africa? How can you optimize your chances of, of getting employed there?
1: Well, it, that's an interesting question. In sub-Saharan Africa, in particular, uh, the supply of people with vocational training—so, so, so um, not a four-year university degree, but two-year programs to create these machinists or, or manufacturing technicians or welders—is in very short supply. Uh, so, there to really stand out, it would depending on your aptitude for schooling. It might be a good investment to get technical skills in. Uh, in a two-year program that make you job ready immediately and then enter the workforce.
0: It seems to me there's a lot of these measures that need to be taken to fit people into appropriate job opportunities involves a lot of government action. What sort of recommendations would you give to governments?
1: Well, I would say that for most governments, a clear overhaul of labor market institutions is needed. Um, that So it's not a small recommendation then? <laughs> it's not a small recommendation for most countries. I think Germany has a set of labor market institutions that has been very effective at keeping people employed over the last four years, despite a very severe drop in GDP uh, after the
0: financial crisis. And this was a combination of several different programs. And what sort of recommendations would you give to developing countries or developing countries' governments to try and ease the unemployment problem in their countries?
1: Well, one important uh, finding in the work we've done looking at employment in Africa is, r- is first just the recognition that the sectors that contribute to GDP growth and export earnings may not be ones that are large employers. So in Africa, the natural resource sectors are very important sources of foreign currency and export earnings, but overall, uh, mining and oil and gas employ less than one percent of Africans, and so an economic development strategy may or may not be the same as a job strategy. So policymakers need to focus particularly on sectors that have the capacity to employ large numbers of people. That might be wage-paying agriculture, so horticulture production, biofuels production. It could be in retail and wholesale trade, tourism, uh, labor-intensive manufacturing. But policymakers need to explicitly focus on industries that have the ability
0: to create many thousands of jobs. And that was Susan Lund, Director of Research at the McKinsey Global Institute. And to hear more podcasts, you can log on to www.imf.org forward slash podcasts.